Hi, I'm Beth Sanders, and welcome to the City Nest Making Podcast. I work with citizens, city government, business, and community organizations looking for practical ways to navigate the complexities of city life so they can better hear each other and make better cities for themselves as a result. In this podcast series, I explore two questions. Who do our cities need to be to serve us well? And who do we need to be to serve our cities well? I spent some time cleaning out my office this week, looking for things that no longer made sense to have around. I found some index cards with notes to myself for the first gathering that I formally hosted. I was surprised to see that 27 years ago, when I was a year or two out of city planning school and into my first job as a planner in Brandon, Manitoba, I was paying attention to social habitat. I just didn't have the words for it then. At my first job, my boss, Ron, introduced me to people he thought I would enjoy. I moved to a new city for this job, and Ron was the only person I knew. He made a concerted effort to help me make social contact with people. On the surface, his effort looked like a good strategy to help a new hire settle in. Over the years, I've understood that Ron's effort was about more than employee retention. Ron loves it when people and ideas find and meet each other and grow into new possibilities. Ron introduced me to Terry, a lawyer who often had business in our office. Terry introduced me to a community of women who met for lunch on Thursdays every week to talk about the United Nations Platform for Action on the Status of Women. When I first met the group, two had just returned from the United Nations gathering in Beijing and witnessed the signing of the Beijing Declaration and Platform for Action in 1995. There was a buzz of stories in Katie's living room as we sat beside a crackling fire. Everyone, including me, the newcomer, received a gift from Beijing. We started the work to figure out how to activate the Platform for Action in Manitoba. Formally, we were the Manitoba Action Committee on the Status of Women, Brandon. When we gathered people from around southwestern Manitoba to flesh out who we wanted to be, I had an opportunity to experiment with the growing interest I could not pursue at my 9-to-5 job. Facilitate. It was magical. Half a lifetime later, I look at these cards and recognize how the bones of a good conversation made their way into the 27-year-old design. I had a clear sense of purpose for the meeting. I offered clear ground rules or agreements about how we would work together. There was a clear agenda, starting with an opportunity for people to relax into an embodied meditation about how everything we do has to be in the spirit of fill-in-the-blank. The words we found formed our check-in, setting us up for the discussion to follow. When we got to work, there was an activity to deepen our connection with each other as we got to know each other. At the same time, we noticed skills, resources, experiences, and personal qualities we were each bringing to the group. We started to see the possibilities of what we could do or who we could be together. 
We made decisions about how we would make decisions together. And before leaving, we asked, what priorities do we see? At the close of the gathering, we took a moment for a checkout, asking evaluation questions. What were the most valuable things for you about this workshop? What was the least valuable? Did you find it easy to participate in this meeting? What suggestions do you have for improving a workshop like this? We had a parting ceremony of care, too. In a circle, each participant rubbed the shoulders of the person ahead of them, then turned around and rubbed the shoulders of the person behind them. After social, emotional, and intellectual connections, we closed even with physical connection. I look at this workshop design in wonder because I did not learn how to design and host a gathering in city planning school. As I was finishing my thesis, though, I took an extracurricular course on mediation that planted a few seeds about effective communication. In my Brandon years, that same boss, Ron, organized a communication and leadership class. I quickly understood that to be a good city planner, I needed to be a good leader, the kind with good people skills, follows as much as leads, and helps people better communicate with each other. I run a lot of meetings. I've taken a lot of training about running meetings and read many books about how people operate and how to run meetings. At about 27 years old, I did not know how to design an effective gathering, and yet I did. I have long struggled with two trajectories of interest in my professional world, city planning and leadership. I have technical skills in city planning, but without good leadership skills, I'm only a technician. City planning is so much more than a technical exercise. The making of our cities weaves together multiple perspectives. The people who write the rules, elected officials, city planners, engineers, etc. The people who physically build our cities, builders, developers, homeowners even, and so on. The people who advocate for the unmet needs in our cities, nonprofit and community organizations, and the people who live in our cities. Some of us pay attention to how we build the city, while others pay attention to how we care for each other. Together, especially when we choose to work together, we engage in city making. The catch? City making, the weaving of building and caring, only happens when we have a social habitat in which we choose to weave these perspectives together. While the technical and leadership aspects of me were separate 27 years ago, they have been on a constant journey to live happily together in the work I do in the world. In the city makers community I host, we understand that city makers never work alone, so we practice working well together. I now have words to describe what I intuitively designed all those years ago, social habitat. We explore 10 ideas twice a year in the city makers community. Below are the bones that help create a good social habitat in which city making happens and what we explore. And a caution for you, there is no prescription that dictates how to use each of these 10 social habitat ideas. 
In the City Makers community, we gather over and over to explore these ideas. The exploration is never the same twice because the content in which we live and work constantly changes. For example, I make different choices with each design, recognizing different contexts, players, purposes, and sensitivities. A high-conflict public meeting is designed differently than a workshop for a board looking to make concrete decisions to move a project forward. The choices always change. Okay, 10 social habitat ideas and how we explore them in the city makers community. One, check in and check out. Why go to the trouble of incorporating a check in and check out in our gathering? What difference does it make? Is it worth it to take up valuable time in a gathering? With these questions, we explore a variety of ways to lead a check-in and a check-out. We also explore how a check-in and check-out affects the quality of a gathering or how it can happen in explicit or implicit ways. We also explore how you can incorporate a check-in or check-out in your city-making practice. Second idea, agreements. Why go to the trouble of having and using agreements in our gatherings with people working to improve our cities, neighborhoods, and communities? What difference does it make? Is it worth taking up valuable time in a gathering to talk about what we expect of each other? With these questions, we explore the agreements that support the city makers community as an example. We look for other examples of agreements. We explore when and where to make agreements explicit. And we also explore how agreements can adjust to serve different contexts. A third social habitat idea is purpose. Why go to the trouble to have a clear purpose for our gatherings with people working to improve our cities, neighborhoods, and communities? What difference does it make? Is it worth it? When is it valuable not to have a purpose? Or is not having a purpose, a purpose in disguise? With these questions, we explore the purpose of the city makers community, for example. And we also look at other kinds of purposes for other gatherings. We look at how purpose contributes to effective gatherings. We explore when and where to make a purpose explicit. And we also explore how purpose shifts with scale and context. A fourth social habitat idea is simple questions. We ask, why go to the trouble to find a simple question to support our gatherings with people working to improve our cities, neighborhoods, and communities? What difference does it make? Is it worth it? Does it always have to be hard to find a simple question? And what if there's more than one question? With all these questions, we explore a question that drives the city makers community as an example. We also look at examples of other simple questions. We explore how simple questions contribute to effective gatherings and how they shift with scale and context. We also look to see if there's a simple question that guides each of our work. Social habitat idea number five, invitation. Why go to the trouble to craft a clear invitation when people gather to work to improve our cities, neighborhoods, and communities? What difference does it make? Is it worth it 
Should the invitation have a few details or a lot? What is the minimum information to include in an invitation? With these questions, we explore the purpose of an invitation. We explore how invitations contribute to effective gatherings and how they shift with scale and context. We also explore how an invitation can serve as a filter. A sixth social habitat idea is the harvest. Why go to the trouble to harvest our insights, choices, and decisions when we gather? What difference does it make? Is it worth it? How can we plan for a harvest? How can we plan to use the harvest? And who should harvest our work? With these questions, we explore the various forms a harvest can take. We explore how a harvest can contribute to effective gatherings and who can harvest and what to do with a harvest. Social habitat idea number seven is meeting planning. This is where we explore how to put it all together. The check-in and check-out, agreements, purpose, simple questions, invitation, and a harvest. Are you planning a meeting? Well, we have a template you can use to think it through in the City Makers community at whatever stage you're at in the meeting planning process. This will help you bring people together who are working to improve their cities, neighborhoods, and communities effectively. What difference does it make to think things through ahead of time? How much needs to be thought through? Who needs to think things through? What if the meeting is to think things through? With these questions, we explore a basic template to help you with meeting planning. We also explore how to put together the Social Habitat series materials, the check-in, the check-out, the agreements, purpose, simple questions, invitation, and the harvest, so that you plan a good meeting. And one small thing you can do to make your next meeting more effective is also what we explore. Social Habitat idea number eight. Helpful and unhelpful behavior. What difference does identifying helpful and unhelpful behavior in our work make? How can we encourage more of what we want and discourage less of what we don't want? Who do I need to be? Who do we need to be to behave in helpful ways? And helpful to what? According to who? With these questions, we explore the difference between helpful and unhelpful behavior. We also explore strategies to encourage helpful behavior and discourage unhelpful behavior. The ninth social habitat idea is conflict. How is conflict helpful? How is conflict unhelpful? How can we handle conflict in ways that help us learn and grow as a community? Who gets to say there is or isn't conflict? With these questions, we explore how conflict is helpful and insightful. We also will explore how how we handle conflict can be problematic. We'll also explore some graduated strategies to resolve conflict. The 10th social habitat idea we explore in the city makers community is just simply space for burning questions. What questions do you have about how to activate quality social habitats when we gather with other city makers? 
What questions are on fire? What questions are simmering? Would you like to hear others' questions first, then see what arises in you? With these questions, we explore how people always have great questions. We explore the great questions in you, and we notice how something surprising always happens. We just don't know what it is ahead of time. That boss of mine, Ron, did something important. He arranged for Terry and I to find and meet each other. He fostered social contact and connection. He had no idea what would come of that connection or how it would nourish me 27 years later. The indirect possibilities that come with paying attention to social habitat are inconceivable, as they should be, because any imagined possibility is not big enough. By fostering a simple connection between me and one other person, he encouraged my professional growth for decades. I chose to participate too. I followed my instincts when I offered to facilitate that gathering 27 years ago. It seems to have been in the cards that my interests in city planning, leadership and facilitation would weave together as they have. Wherever we go, we encourage or discourage the opportunities for people and ideas to find and meet each other. The social habitat we make for ourselves promotes or prevents the needed improvements to our city's neighborhoods and communities. The choice to foster improvement is ours. Here are a few questions for you to ponder after having listened to this episode. Take a moment to ponder a recent time you attended an event with a guest speaker. What was your level of comfort or discomfort with sitting back to listen to others? Take a moment to ponder a recent time you attended an event where you were asked to interact with other people. What was your level of comfort or discomfort with being in conversation with others? What is a conversation you'd love to roll up your sleeves and have with your neighbors, family, co-workers, or community? Thanks for listening to the City Nestmaking Podcast. If you'd like to further explore city nestmaking and who we need to be to make cities that serve us well, check out bethsanders.ca. Until next time, build with care. Let's aim to be conscious of how we make these places we call home.